Get clicked, covered, and rained on. All week long on WebmasterRadio.fm. Your destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Welcome to the alternative. Radiant questions virtual reality. Sponsored by ISEDN.org. Is there life beyond the big four search engines? Are webmasters spending more than they need to? Or leaving money on the table? What opportunities exist on the margins? Spend the next hour exploring paid and free alternatives to the major search engines. Now, step into the alternative with your host, Jim Hedler. Hey, welcome to The Alternative for Thursday, April the 26th, 2007. Um, Dave Davies is going to be joining us soon, but at the moment I think I'm kind of flying solo here at AdTech in San Francisco. Um, I'm doing the show from the beautiful Moser Hotel on 4th Avenue, just down the street from the Muscovy Center, where uh, where AdTech is, AdTech is happening, and um, it has been a great show. Uh don't have a lot of time to go through news or to, to give a lot of information at the beginning. We have an action-packed lineup. Uh, joining us joining us in just a few moments is going to be Bill Platt from uh, Links and Traffic, and he wants to talk about Google Paid Links. After, uh, after Bill, we're going to have Tom Cuthbert from Click Forensics and the uh, Click Quality <laughs> Council. Um, really looking forward to talking to him. Um, after that, we're going to be speaking with uh, Leron Cohen and A.L. Barad. Um, now, Leron is from Quired Media, and um, A.L. is from... Uh, oh, boy, I can't believe it. I'm spacing where... Uh, I'm spacing where, where A.L.'s from, but you know what? I'm going to get it when the show comes on. And we're rounding out the hour. We're going to be rounding out the hour with Abe from... didit.com. Um... We're going to be talking about ad buying, something that we don't often talk about in the search media, something that I think uh, search marketers need to know a lot more about, the banner ads and the display ads and the, um, the other part of the, of the market that, again, I don't think uh, webmasters really pay enough attention to. Um, I just got a message that Dave Davies is, in fact, on the phone live with us. Dave, you here? I'm here. Wow, yeah, kind of racing to get to the phone, eh? <laughs> it's what happens. Okay, um, well, look, I've already been through our intro. Um, okay. And I think uh, we're, uh, we got such a big lineup. We have four guests on today. We don't got much time for commercials. So I think we just have to dive right in. And um, hopefully uh, our extremely extraordinary producer uh, has Bill Platt on the line. Bill, are you there yet? Oh, well, we're going to be getting Bill in a sec. Um, Dave, ad tech is amazing. It is so much fun here. That's good. I'm glad we have a moment to chat about it. I was going to, I wanted to ask you how things are going there and uh, what you're picking up. Well, um, not enough sleep. I'm not picking up enough sleep. That's what. There's 9,200 people here or more. That's, that's the official count. I think they're underestimating. It, 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 it's nuts on the floor, on the uh, trade show floor. The sessions are just incredible. Unfortunately, I haven't really had much chance to get into them. Um, we've, uh, I haven't had much chance to get into the sessions, but Lisa Barone over at the Bruce Clay blog, she has been, um, she has been putting some extremely cool stream of consciousness uh, stream of consciousness coverage from each of the sessions she's been in. So if anyone's interested in finding out what's going on at, uh, 
at AdTech. Check out the Bruce Clay blog or check out CitroNews.com. Um, I'm putting up some of my posts on the, on the Daily News magazine, and I'm also going to be running, uh, rerunning Lisa's posts from the Bruce Clay blog because um, not only are they really informative, they're hilarious. <laughs> now, what, uh, what would you say, who is the most uh, interesting person that you have met that, you know, Tough to limit it to one, but let's, let's say a couple of interesting people or interesting conversations you've had while you're the there. The most interesting person I met, and, 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 and this isn't to, to, uh, to put down anybody else I spoke with, because everyone I've spoken with has been really interesting, but the most interesting was Lee Hamilton, the Chief Technical Officer for Wi-Phone Global. Um, and I'm going I'm to be writing an article on this, and we might even have them on the show sometime in the future. Um, Wi-Phone Global has a new turnkey social network technology called Windstorm, um, that's W-Y-N-D-S-T-O-R-M, uh, windstorm.com. Uh, it's probably worth checking out. Um, and talking to the chief technical officer of Wi-Phone Global, one of the, one of the largest um, VOIP telcos in the, in, in the world. Um, interesting person, really well-educated guy, has a big shock of white Einstein hair. Um, we ended up going to a Russian tea room just above the conference center, and... Well, I think we only meant to spend about a half hour speaking to each other. An hour and a half later, we were still going at it. And you, see the, um, you can see his press agent sort of looking at her watch and, and counting the seconds down, but it was just a wildly interesting conversation. So I assume we, we can expect to, uh, to see this on the front page of Site Pro News when, uh, when you can give us the full details? Uh, yeah, probably sometime next week. Um, I'm flying back uh, to Victoria tomorrow around noon. So actually, Site Pro News is going to be posted a bit late tomorrow. Um, but I'm flying back around noon. I think I'm going to be playing catch-up all day tomorrow afternoon and probably Monday. So sometime next week, check it out. Um, again, by far one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done, and um, I've been graced with some great interviews. So uh, Lee Hamilton, CTO, Wi-Fone Global, uh, great fella, an interesting person, um, great conversation. But, you know, we got to keep on moving. we got Bill Platt on the line from Links and Traffic, and um, yesterday in SitePronews.com, uh, Bill published an article uh, talking about Google Paid Links. Um, it was titled, I'm just pulling it up here now, it was titled Green with Envy in the Google Game. Uh, Bill, welcome to The Alternatives. Hello. How are you? Well, I'm doing you good. I think Dave's doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, yes. Do you mind if I jump in with a, with a couple questions here? I've been just anxious for this interview. Okay. Fire away, Dave. Perfect. Well, I'm going to start with sort of a, an open-ended question for you, Bill, so that we can, we can sort of start off uh, for, for the people that might not have seen the Site Pro News um, article when it was up there yesterday. Um, what can you tell us a, a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the issues with, with some of the things Matt Katz has said um, regarding paid links? And, you know, I'll just leave it open at that and, and let you go into, uh, into your feelings on the subject. Okay. Well, the... Uh comments that Matt has made on this subject was that uh, he really doesn't think that uh, that's something that we as a webmaster should do to promote our business. We shouldn't be buying links. But the big question is, what? how does Matt Cutts or anybody at Google distinguish what is a paid link and what is not? And the big issue... Um, some people are honest, and they'll tell you, okay, this is a paid link. Other people are not so honest. They're not going to tell you, hey, this is a paid link. And for webmasters who are selling their links, it's important for them to get the most money that they can get for the links that they've created. But once you 
count in Google's comments on it, it it's a matter of, okay, you can make money on your website any way you would like to do it as long as you're not selling PageRank. And when you're selling PageRank, uh, we're going to penalize you for doing that, which from their perspective, I can understand where they're coming from because the Google toolbar, the PageRank toolbar, has been set up for their benefit, for their advertising purposes, and it is their property. And people are actually selling the page rank value on a page, but Google's not receiving any pro- proceeds from that, even though it's their property. Now, do you so, think it would be a different story if somehow Google could find a way to tax webmasters that were selling links based on page rank? Well, if they could tax them, that would be one thing to do. But uh, from my perspective, if they just get rid of uh, page rank toolbar from the get-go, then they'd solve that issue altogether. Because no. people, they land on a page, they look out there and see, do I want to pay for this page based on a page rank? Well, yeah, it's got page rank 4, it's got page rank 7, whatever the case may be. And the buyer is right there looking at that page rank saying, yeah, I'm willing to pay X number of dollars to get on PR8 page. And then the webmaster who is sitting there looking at his pages, he says, wow, my page is a page rank 8. I can get a lot of money from my links as opposed to the guy who has a PR4 ranking on his own site. Now, there's a, there's a lot of discussion on, on both sides of it um, regarding, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the Mac cuts basically outlining, here's how you can report or here's how you can indicate paid links, not just the you know um, no-follow tags and stuff like that, but... Um, you know, basically saying, okay, here's how to specify which pages have some paid links on them. A uh, big part of the discussion is, well, I'm not going to be reporting mine, but yeah, for sure, I'll be happy to, to list off um, the pages that my competitors might have and these sorts of things. What are your feelings on that? Are they basically making webmasters into, into rats by, by sort of reporting on each other? But, of course, none of us are going to report on ourselves. Right. Well, they're inviting people to abuse their system. If they think they've got enough work on their hands already, wait wait until everybody starts reporting their competitors. Then they're going to have more work than they can keep up with. Well, and, you know, at the same time, it seems like they're drag they're dragging some of the webmasters into the into the back alley. People are trying to monetize their sites. People who are legitimately selling advertising space on their site, and you know, they're they're, they're turning them into drug dealers. It's like it's like the war on drugs, except it's the war on paid links. Well, really, that's that's the right, because if you look at what they did to BMW, take BMW out of the listings for the month, because they had paid links that they didn't approve of. Or even I understand Stanford. that BMW went down for a cloaking technique they didn't approve of. Okay, well, uh, I'd read somewhere that it was due to paid links. But, um, um, well, you know, I guess that's, that's something to look back into in the, into the archives of history. Um, why are they doing this? Like, Bill, what's what's the purpose? Well, the purpose is because people are using PageRank. People who have more money than the average Joe are using PageRank to skew their results. Now, when it comes all down to it, what Google's interested in is keeping their results as uh, optimum as possible so that people will keep coming back to the Google search engine to use it. Because when people land on the Google search engine, to do a search, they see paid listings, which Google might make money from. 
But if people aren't going to the site for the natural search, then they're not going to be going to the site for the paid search either. So it's a bottom line decision as far as Google's concerned. Now, if I can jump in here with a, with a quick question. The name Tim Armstrong, you actually linked to, uh, to some information on, on the whole fiasco with Tim Armstrong. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, regarding sort of the, the bizarre conflict that's going on in the upper echelons of Google regarding paid links and, um, you know, that sort of angle? Well, um, you know, one side of it is concerned about their bottom line. The other side of it is wants to keep the SEO pure uh, or the search results pure. In the end, it's all about money. How much money are they making now? How much money can they make tomorrow? What are they going to do to make sure that they continue making money five years from now? So in the end, it's all a money decision. But with, like, their various properties they're adding on, yeah, some of them are problematic. YouTube is a fine example. They bought into it, and they paid a really good price for it, but realistically, did they buy a winner? Did they buy a loser? Because... You got so many um, lawsuits coming against Google as owners of YouTube that will it in the end be uh, less profitable than what they foresee it to be. In the end, I, d I honestly believe that the video is going to be a boon to them because it's another reason for people to land on a Google property and click that paid link, which drives their business. Now, speaking of, of driving business, and I, I can't recall whether it was on um, in your article or you know, uh, one of the other articles that I've read on, on this very subject, um, it was brought up that basically they're asking webmasters, like if, if you know, a webmaster can't sell their link for, for page rank, or they're having to basically indicate, you know, this is a paid link, and so right. uh, it's not going to pass over that value. They're basically asking webmasters to cut down the profitability by, the estimate was roughly 80 to 90%. Yeah, that is in my article. Would they do that? Uh, of course, they wouldn't. So, do you think? Yeah, there's no way Google's going to cut their own rates by eighty percent just to make everybody feel good. <laughs> They're not going to do it because Yahoo asked them to. They're not going to do it because we asked them to. But yet they ask us to cut our revenue by eighty percent, and to ask us to do it is different than taking it away from us. If they take it away from us, there's nothing to argue about because we don't have access to it anymore. But as long the way they're doing it right now, they're punishing the honest people and rewarding the dishonest people because there's no way that their algorithm is going to make the proper determination as to what is a paid link and what's not. So they have to manually go through and turn off a site for being a bad dog and selling paid links and then maybe they'll turn it on later, and maybe they'll forget to turn back on later. But once you're out, you're out until they flip the switch and turn you back on. Okay, Bill, we have about uh, 30 seconds left in this segment. We, we've got a full show now. Um, do you have any advice for webmasters uh, on the way out? Honestly, my whole point of view is you must create links that are important for the search engine and for the human user. And you must consistently do so because Google's more pays more attention to people who develop links over the long term rather than people come out of the gate and do 
uh, a thousand lengths now and then they're gone next month. So it's better to do it as a long-term strategy rather than a short-term gain. Sage advice from Bill Platt from Leagues and Traffic. And, uh, Bill, i got to thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show. We've got to move right along. We have, um, we have our next guest, uh, Tom Cuthbert from Click Forensics. And uh, Click Forensics is behind the Click, Click Quality Council. Um, I'm really glad to have Tom on the show. We've been trying to get him on for about a month. And, um, well, he's here now. So, uh, Tom, welcome to The Alternative. Thanks, I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. You uh, you wanted to talk about the Click Quality Council, and I actually I saw the the video that um the council's put out. It's um it's over at the URL is um clickqualitycouncil.org. Is that correct? That is correct. That's right. What can you tell us, or what can you tell our listeners about the Click Quality Quality Council? Why is why are you doing this? Well, the council originally was formed back in September and includes uh, both large interactive agencies like Agency.com and Avenue A, Razorfish, and Carefusion, as well as uh, leading advertisers like HomeGain and Visa and others that are in the space. And the reason it was formed was as standards are being developed around click measurement, it's really critical that advertisers have a voice in this process. And I'm sure you and your listeners are aware that the Interactive Advertising Bureau, the IAB, has been working with Media Rating Council and uh, developing standards, working towards developing standards. And a lot of advertisers are not involved in that organization. Click Forensics is a member, as are uh, several others in our space, and of course Google and Yahoo and MSN. But we really wanted to be sure that uh, in, in that initiative or other initiatives that would take place, that advertisers have a voice. So the council was formed and uh, has been meeting monthly. Kevin Embry uh, from Click Forensics has been adopted as moderator for this year, and he's been coordinating those meetings. And so over the last few months, as they've been discussing initiatives that the search providers have been taking, the the feeling has been that while those are, are terrific initiatives, it's good that there's more transparency and it's good that the IAB process is moving along. They're trying to identify what are some practical things that we could get the search providers to agree to today that really would make pay-per-click advertising more effective. And that's really what has led to uh, the release of these eight principles to ensure click quality. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that our readers are going to go to clickqualitycouncil.org and read the eight principles, but why don't we outline them anyway? I'd be happy to. Um, they actually are very straightforward. Um, They've been developed in such a way, and the feedback that we've gotten from the search providers uh, has been favorable, and we've really tried to set it up so these are not uh, unattainable goals. These are things that would be pretty straightforward. So let me just kind of step through these with you, and and, uh, any questions that you have along the way, I'm happy to clarify, but I think it's a really good, straightforward list. And the first one is one that's been discussed for many years, and it is advertisers should never pay for double clicks or repeat clicks from the same session. And the search providers, you know, several years ago with Google's issue on DoubleClick that has since been resolved, they simply want confidence from the providers in some proof that they're not going to be charged for those repeat clicks. The second one has to do with bot traffic. They should never be charged for traffic from bots. And, you know, at Click Forensics, we've seen this has been a real growing problem. The sophistication of those perpetrating click fraud is growing. 
And so, you know, to our team, we've been fighting this by adding folks from companies like Symantec and eBay that have experience in spyware and anti-phishing initiatives. And that really is a growing problem, but that's another, uh, that's the second principle that was released. Now, do you find um, that the search engines are getting a little bit more open about the, uh, about bots, about how they're dealing with bots? Uh, yes. In fact, Google uh, released a couple weeks ago a uh, terrific paper on uh, ClickBots, and it was very relevant, very well written. Uh, Schumann uh, introduced that at a panel I was on with him in, uh, in New York at SES, and I think that they are, and I think that they are trying to be more transparent, not only in, in the area of bots, but in other areas as well. That was that was the paper on ClickBot A, the uh, the one that Panda Panda Software and RSA busted, like in uh, May of last year. Is that correct? Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear your question. I think that was the that was the the Schumann's paper that was on uh, ClickBot A, the uh, the network yes. that was busted by Panda Software and the RSA. Around, I think it was May last year that they got them. Yeah, and their their uh, paper that reported on that had some interesting information that our team and I'm sure others have been digging into. Okay, so they're 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 learning to deal with the bots. I think that's a huge step forward. Oh, there's no doubt, and and you know third parties need to be obviously paying attention to that as well. It's a difficult issue, not only technically but from a heuristic standpoint to identify those uh, issues around that. Okay, um, the third you know, area I can comment on is, is we, really we got to keep up. What's number three? Number three is about control. Uh, advertisers should have control over where and when and to whom uh, their ads are distributed and. You know, Google has an exclusion list. Yahoo has said they're going to uh, come out with that functionality. Uh, Google is expanding theirs beyond domain exclusion to uh, IP exclusion. But these are the kind of tools that advertisers really want. They they want to feel comfortable that they can direct the ad and uh, know that that traffic is going to the area that they're directing. The fourth has to do with exclusion lists, exactly what I was just mentioning. They want that functionality, and that's a big issue, and, and we've seen when Advertisers are able to effectively uh, block out domains on their traffic that, that's built from a, a cogent list and a community list of, of uh, what bad traffic looks like. But that has an immediate impact. It actually stops quick fraud before it even happens in, in many cases, which is a really important step for advertisers. Now, I, I, I've heard that some advertisers actually see traffic that comes off the exclusion list. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, that's why it really is so critical to have a monitoring service in place. Um, you know, technically, we're not clear how that could happen when those sites are blocked, but we hear that as well. And that's why having a check and balance system in place to ensure that that traffic is meeting what the advertiser sets out as that criteria is critical. Okay, cool. So let me roll on. I've got a couple others uh, to kind of wrap the list up. Well, yeah, uh, number five on the list is search providers should provide advertisers detailed refer information on all traffic that's billed. And, you know, you're probably aware of this. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are that the big percentage of traffic that's coming in without any refer information, and, you know, if they're paying for that traffic, that refer information should be provided to the advertiser to validate it. Yeah, kind of like a phone bill. Yeah, it's a, that's a really good way to describe it. In fact, uh, in, in the uh, video that uh, the listeners will see at clickqualitycouncil.org, we literally interviewed advertisers, and, and uh, there's, uh, there was a comment in there specifically about that. It's a great way to think about it. Actually, I think that Outside was me. I'm, I'm kind of plagiarizing myself here. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Outside of geotargeted areas is, is the next one, and we see this a lot as well, that advertisers are paying for traffic outside the U.S., um, 
that, you know, when they're simply geotargeting within the U.S. and being able to accurately identify that from, uh, you know, DNS information or other, other abilities to identify that uh, out-of-country traffic is critical, and advertisers want that check and balance as well. How are those ones, and this, this drives me crazy too, how are those ones getting through? Are they using proxy servers to, to get the out-of-country out of traffic in, or um, like how can Google, Yahoo, how can they not catch them? Yeah, you know, in some cases they do catch it, and uh, since that doesn't meet their definition of click fraud, and contractually they are able to uh, charge for that traffic, they just simply do. And, um, you know, we have a client that had been working with one of the search providers on submitting traffic that clearly came from France. I mean, it was just absolutely obvious. And, and the search providers just, you know, would not credit that back. And that's just really not fair. And, and I think advertisers, that's, that's why our council was uh, so interested in getting that principle built into this list. Oh, the last two are, are really pretty important and pretty practical as well. Uh, number seven is that search providers should adopt third-party validation for click quality. And, and the example for this is, it's exactly the way that it works in traditional media. I mean, Nielsen exists in, in that in television to validate that, make sure advertisers get what they pay for, and Arbitron Radio, Auto Bureau of Circulation in print. And we believe that this is the right approach, and, and the approach that ultimately will take place with online is third parties will be a critical part of that ecosystem to make sure advertisers get what they pay for. And the final one kind of goes to your point about phone bills, that search providers should provide an easy mechanism to reconcile paid clicks on a monthly basis. And that's an important step, too. Uh, advertisers right now get an invoice that has very little information about what it is that they're paying for. And those that are moving from traditional media are used to getting, you know, validated, uh, notarized affidavits uh, from stations that have spot times and things like that on there that they can tie back to. And that just doesn't exist right now. So we're, we're eager for the search providers to commit to the forward on that as well. Well, I mean, these these are eight easy to understand points. It's um, it's it's not doesn't seem difficult to to answer the questions that the uh, that the, the 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 advertisers or that the quick 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 <laughs> click quality council are are, are asking. Um, in, in in your mind, what's the holdup? You know, we've just released these principles today. Uh, we've ch chatted with uh, the search providers about them. Uh, Reggie Davis, uh, the new vice president of Marketplace Quality from Yahoo, has already come out uh, with a statement in support of this initiative, uh, which we think is the right thing. Um, many advertisers and agencies are, are really excited about this and, and feel that this is uh, a step that can be taken today while the standards are being built. So. I would just encourage advertisers. Uh, we certainly are open to others helping participate in the Click Quality Council. Uh, their steering committee now has about 30 advertisers uh, actively engaged in that, agencies as well, other third parties. And we want to involve the community. This really is going to take a community effort to solve the problem of click fraud, and we think this is a very important and, and very practical step. Well, Tom, we only have a few minutes left in uh, in this segment. Um, as, as I said earlier, we have an action-packed show today, so we just have to keep blowing on through. I, just want, I want to clear up a couple questions I think a, a few listeners might have. Um, you and the, the major networks, Google and, and Yahoo, you, you guys don't hate each other. You're, you're not at war with these guys, are you? No, we're not. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, Schumann uh, from Google is someone who, whom I really deeply respect. Uh, we've uh, been able to spend some time together talking, and 
and certainly as a as a consumer, I, I love Google. I use Google every day, as I do Yahoo as well, and other search engines. And you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that that perception exists. Uh, I think that they understand now that third parties are really necessary, and um, I believe actually that as time goes by, that the search providers will look to Click Forensics and others in this space as drivers of their business. You know, our goal is to help uh, foster trust so advertisers are confident that they get what they pay for. And by doing that and having that relationship with advertisers and agencies that are the customers of the providers, we think we can we can foster that trust and be a really necessary part of, of the search community and uh, help it continue to grow and maybe even accelerate the growth. Okay, so in the foreground, it may seem an adversarial relationship, but in reality, this is there's there's more cooperation going on behind the scenes than the uh, than the than observers might see. There absolutely is, and you know we we were thrilled at Yahoo's announcement uh, with Reggie Davis at a vice president level to uh, take this issue on. Uh, that's clearly a, 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 a statement of their commitment uh, to clients in this space, and so we're very excited about that initiative. And I've now. Uh, met with Reggie on several occasions, as have many of the members of our Click Quality Council, and um, it, it's just a great step forward. So there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Uh, while it may seem contentious in the public, where we, we think that the next big step will be the search providers embracing these principles and, and helping us to all move forward together to, to grow this industry that we think is a terrific industry. Hi, Tom. This is Dave. I'm just going to jump in here with a question. Um, your point to uh, is specifically here, but I mean, a lot of these um, do count. There's some pretty significant technical considerations that the engines are going to have to take into account here, especially in the detection of bots, but certainly in some of the other areas. Um, what do you think of regarding sort of the timelines? Is there ever a solution? Is this like writing antivirus software where we can detect these bots, but, you know, the bot writers, there's a lot of money in this. They're going to come out with something else. Is this something that there isn't a fix for? Um, how long until the first round of fixes are there. If you have any feel for that, you sort of have an in with uh, with the people making these decisions. So, Yeah, you know, well, what's interesting is in 2004, uh, Bill Gates came out with the quote that by 2006, the problem of spam would be resolved, right? And <laughs> I think a quick <laughs> check of the inbox shows that that simply has not occurred. And, you know, the problem with uh, anti-phishing efforts and spam and, and, and bot detection and spyware it is a very technical, uh, technically difficult, technically challenging issue. Um, you know, Click Forensics, we've been adding some really smart folks into our development team to try to fight this problem, and we want to be able to share uh, the knowledge uh, that we have to, to benefit the industry, and, and that's why I applaud Google for releasing their paper on, on ClickPod A. That just helps with the community knowledge, because we are all going to have to put our heads together on this and uh, and work together to try to resolve some of these very complex technical issues. Well, Tom, um, we have to go to break now. We uh, we have to pay some bills here on WebmasterRadio.fm, but um, I, I, I think we're seeing a lot more movement forward this year than we we've seen in the entire history of the of paid search marketing. Thank you so much for what you guys are doing, and thank you so much for uh, for being on the alternatives today. Thanks very much. I enjoyed it. Well, enjoy the conference. I hope to catch up with you later. Very good. Sounds great. Take care. Uh, folks, this is uh, Jim and Dave here on The Alternative on webmasterradio.fm, sponsored by the ISEDN.org. Um, we had been speaking with Bill Platt from Links and Traffic and Tom Cuthbert from Click Forensics. We have to go to break. Um, they make us pay bills here, just like everybody else. we got to pay the rent, and that's what we're going to do right now. But we're going to be coming back with... Uh,
Leron Cohen and uh, A.L. Barad, and with um, Abe from Did It from Didit.com in a few minutes. Stay tuned here on WebmasterRadio.fm. The alternative, the alternative. on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your costs and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the ISEDN.org. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on GenieKnows.com. Install a search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, GenieKnows.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our referral program. GenieKnows has delivered results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. I only find you attractive to me. Good. How about you, dear? Mmm. <laughs> is that that lovely steamy odor of sex? Wow, it smells like sex. Anyway, all right. That's really so. bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And, and everybody in the chat room is going, oh, they're in love. I like that whole aspect of I'm on radio. No one can see what I look like. And it was sort of my nice ha 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 to the listening audience. Clad, just in a pair of heels. Naked, wearing only high heels. Sailor, say, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. Such a fine girl. But my love, my lover, my lady. It is nice to be celibate as long as you can do it with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Rainmaker. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Just getting your feet wet on the internet? Then dive into our stream, webmasterradio.fm. We're the coolest place around, webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. 
And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Alternative here on webmasterradio.fm. Uh, we're broadcasting live from AdTech in San Francisco. And, um, you know, live radio is a kick in the pants. You never know what's going to happen. Um, unfortunately, they were on Cohen. Um, his, uh, his cell phone is going to voicemail. So uh, we have uh, his uh, cousin, I think it's his cousin, and um, uh, business partner, A.L. Barad. He's the CEO of Media Shakers. And they're... Uh, Kind of interesting. These guys are based in Geneva, Switzerland. Ao, welcome to the welcome to the alternative. Ao, is that you on the line there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just uh, you're cutting out a little bit, but I'm I'm hearing you well now. Okay, great. I mean, I, again, this is the perils of live radio, bro. Um, so right, right. I um I brought Al on, and uh, and later on we're going to be having um, uh, Abe uh, Mesrich from uh, from Didit.com uh, because. I'm finding ad tech is, is is much more about media buying than it is search or search media, um, and I was hoping Al that you could uh, you could give our listeners a, a quick rundown on on what it is you guys do and how that works with the, with the search with the search area. Well, what we basically do is we easily allow um, publishers to monetize all of their traffic. Um, by displaying basically banners and display advertising on their website. Uh, what we do on the back end is when we give them a standard size banner, let's say a 728 by 90, is we fill it in with thousands of advertisers that we go and we get from all over the world internationally. And what we do in the middle is we optimize to try and make the most money for our publishers while also supplying our advertisers with the results they're looking for. Okay. Um, you know, an, another peril of, uh, of live radio is I'm getting phone calls on my cell phone, um, and uh, this might be one of our guests who, uh, who is trying to call in, and uh, they, they should expect that Webmaster Radio is going to call them. Otherwise, they should call me back later. So uh, what's your client base like? What are they looking for? More importantly, how do they advertise? Well, we have, you know, we run advertisements on... Uh, over like 40, 50 different channels, uh, including automobile sites, sports sites, uh, men's channel sites. Uh, obviously, gaming and entertainment are big, are big channels that we have in use. Uh, and what we do is we try and actually match. We run different campaigns. Uh, and, and, and I must be honest, like the amount of campaigns are growing at a really fast pace. So every time, every time we hit a new ad tech show, we find a host of new kind of, kind of advertisers that have not been around. Okay. Now, wh- why um, are you called a frenzy? Why are people becoming more and more and more interested in display advertising? Well, display advertising, the beauty in, you know, in advertising online in general is the fact that you can measure results instantaneously as well as... As a publisher places his ads on the site, within an hour he logs on, he sees how much money he's making, and he can do the multiplications and see how much money he's going to make during the month. Well, the same thing with the advertiser. They're coming on, and within an hour of spending, uh, they see exactly how much money they've brought back. So they can you know, have measurable results, which no other advertising allows you to do that. Um, how wide is the, is the distribution spread? Where are you putting your clients' ads? 
we have, you know, we have advertisers that are looking to chat. I mean, obviously, uh, the U.S. is the biggest market, but we have advertisers that are looking to advertise as far away as in Iran, uh, in, in Syria, in Mozambique, and in every other country there is. Um, the, the nature of the Internet, the internationality, uh, allows you to be able to target people anywhere. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. That's, that's part of the beauty of it. Now, you're serving an international market, and you just, you just mentioned Iran and Syria, and I imagine there must be some cultural sensitivities that, that you guys have to be aware of when, you, when you're serving that market. Oh, definitely, definitely. We get a lot of requests for, you know, from these publishers uh, not to have any sort of adult content, uh, and, and we definitely have to filter down a lot of the ads that would be me- uh, more acceptable in the U.S. Okay. Um, is, that a, is that a challenge to you? Um, do you... You guys, have, from what I've gathered, and I'm going to admit, I don't, uh, I don't know nearly enough about the display, the display advertising market. Um, but from what I've gathered, you guys are are changing campaigns on the fly. You're going for maximum return. You guys are turning uh-huh. on and off these enormous ad spends depending on where you're getting the max return. How do you Correct. keep up with what ad is showing where? Well, a lot of it is based on algorithms that are on our ad server that we spent a lot of money developing. Um, you know, and, and we're, as you said, you know, every single impression out there, uh, there's an algorithm running to see which impression we're going to give that's going to make us the most return on that specific impression. So, that, you know, that's the, that, that is the beauty that the ad content and the, the variability of the ad serving that we can use and our development, which allows us to do that. Is uh, display advertising more popular in the European market or um, over in the North American market? No, no. Definitely the U.S. is a leader in this kind of stuff. Uh, the U.K. is following very quickly behind. Uh, I was at Ad Tech in Paris last month, uh, which was the first uh, Paris show. It was pretty slow, but uh, there were definitely some deals that were going down, and I believe next year it'll probably get bigger, uh, but it's nowhere close to what it is in the States. Germany, uh, on the other hand, is a market that is... Uh, it's awakening very quickly. There's a lot of... Uh, I was at a really good show in Germany, um, and a lot of advertisers, the awareness there seems to be growing. So I think the U.S. and, and Europe will be on par, but we're also watching countries uh, or continents like Africa, which are waking up as well to it. Okay. Now, um, we only got a couple seconds or a couple minutes left in this segment. Um, okay. How do webmasters who want to monetize their sites more effectively. How do they get involved in this market? Well, just go to mediashakers.com. You go to the publisher page. You you fill out a form. We'll send you tags. We'll send you logins. You place them on your site, and within an hour, you're seeing your income. We're you're also seeing your income on- within an hour. Like You can gauge how much you're making that quickly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And now we're coming out actually with a new product. We're going to be distributing Media Shakers MasterCards to all of our publishers that want it, and we'll be able to load their funds on it monthly, so they'll be able to pull it out no matter where they are worldwide. They'll have a Media Shakers MasterCard they can use at their ATM or go shopping with or do whatever they want with it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's getting really nice, uh, you know, to be able to supply funds to publishers worldwide. We have publishers as wide as uh, Indonesia and all over the world. So are, are you, is this a way for some of the, um, 
some of the publishers to get around um, the difficulty of, of being able to validate credit cards? Well, no. It, it mostly helps a lot of the publishers who are younger and don't necessarily have uh, bank accounts and stuff like that to be able to uh, access money because uh, we can issue cards from the age of 13, basically. Um, and uh, it makes it much, much easier to also transfer funds uh, on our behalf. So publishers, you know, it, it makes it much easier for them to just get into business right away, instantaneously. That, that, that's brilliant, Ayal. I wish we had more time to talk. I'm, I hope I can get you on a future show. Um, I, I and, would uh, Actually, we're, we're staying in the same hotel. I think you're about four floors beneath me right now, so you and I got to catch up later on this afternoon or this evening. But we, we right definitely now, will. thank you so much for being on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay, we're, um, right. that was uh, A.L. Barad from MediaShakers.com, a uh, ad purchasing and distribution group based in Geneva, Switzerland. But it doesn't matter that he's in Switzerland. Anyone in the world can work with the fella. We've got to go to another break. Um, we're only doing a couple commercial breaks right now. But when we come back, we have Ave Mesrich. Um, he's the manager of communications from Did It Search Marketing. And um, I found out something really interesting about Did It. Uh, this week, I found out that they're very actively involved in the display ad uh, marketing, marketing sector as well as the PPC sector. Um, folks, stay tuned. Abe's got some really interesting stuff to tell us. Um, this is The Alternative on webmasterradio.fm. We're sponsored by the ISCDN.org, and we'll be back in a few minutes. The Alternative, the Alternative. on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. All new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zafolia.com, writes ClickTracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what ClickTracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. Generating buzz for your company is essential and now easier than ever with Paper Post, the consumer-generated advertising network. Our powerful network of bloggers at Paper Post will creatively expose your product or service through original link-generated ads and embedding video or audio on their sites. Launch your viral marketing campaigns with confidence and enjoy increased traffic with higher conversion rates only through Paper Post. Visit PaperPost.com and join the revolution. Howdy boys and you girls too I'm here to talk to you about Milnick Media The best CPA network period They sure know how to deliver And I know something about deliverance Now you want to get paid? Damn right you do We'll make sure you get your money Milnick Media's got support people Who know their ass from their elbow Need a new jet ski? How about one of them new fangled plasma TVs? Well cousin Jeremy here will hook you up With our performance rewards program Email submits, zip submits, ringtone Hell, we got them all! Yeehaw! Hey there, it's Cousin Jeremy. Get on over to M-I-L-L-N-I-C-Media.com and we'll have you so happy, you'll be squealing like a pig. Does everybody know what time it is? Let me introduce to you the Web Gorilla! Hi, this is Greg Bozer. And the very slick... Man. This is the oil man here. And together they are... 
have the SEO Rockstar. Now Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And for all you jammers and spammers that cut out early on Fridays, then catch the Rockstars Rewind at their original time, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Learning how to monetize your domains. Zero dollars. Listening to affiliate marketing tips on your iPod. Zero dollars. Getting the latest search news on your cell phone. Zero dollars. Listening to Dave N. talk about garlic breath. Well, worthless. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. And now, transport back into the alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. As the man says, Webmaster Radio, we are everywhere, including the depths of Dave Naylor's mouth. And that's a, uh, that's a hell of a place to be. I've seen it. Um, moving right along on our show, we have uh, Abe from Did It Search Marketing, Abe Mesrich. Um, he's the manager of communications. And um, Abe, welcome to The Alternative. Thanks so much, Dave. It's great to be here. Where, are you on the show floor right now? I'm at the Tracer show floor. I, I uh, had to leave the melee and uh, go into a little quiet corner, but it's, it's quite a great show floor. Uh, you've actually found a quiet corner. I, I had to come back to my hotel room just to find a quiet place. You've actually found a quiet corner down there. Well, we'll see what happens when everybody rushes back in, but I uh, have a feeling for the next five seconds anyway, it's, it's pretty quiet over here. <laughs> well, I guess we should move along really quickly. Like, I found out something amazing about uh, didit.com that I didn't know before, and I don't think that many of our listeners knew. Um, you, guys are, you guys are right, right involved in the, in the um, banner and display marketing field. That's correct. We, um, as you probably know, we started out way back when, 96, as a... Uh, SEO slash feed management firm, and we evolved as the, as the industry evolved. And actually, we led the evolution of the industry, and now we're, you know, as the, as the new media has converged, as search is converging with publisher content, we, um, whoops, hello, Jim? I'm here, I'm here. Okay, sorry about that. We, um, we are getting very deeply involved in the display advertising world. We um, use search data to understand what kind of display advertising you should be you should be using, and we also have a behavioral targeting network. Now, has that has that been a uh, a big transition for the company? How long have you been involved in display advertising? Well, I should sort of preface: we're not really involved in display advertising in the way a lot of other companies are. We have a um, first of all, we don't make our own creatives. We uh, the clients provide creatives for us. But basically, what we realized was, um, in terms of the behavioral network, anyway, what we realized is. When somebody clicks to run a search ad, 2-3% conversion rates are phenomenal conversion rates across the whole industry, which means that you know, 90, 97% plus of your, of your search customers aren't converting. And what we realize is that even though they're not converting, if they come to your site and leave your site, they're going somewhere else on the web. They're, they're trackable potentially, and you can use display advertising to pull them back in and finally get the conversion and get real ROI and bring that conversion rate back up. So... What, what we've done is we have a behavioral network which um, tracks searchers who come to user sites across the web and pulls them back in with the targeted display ads. So getting back to your question, was it a big transition? It was a big transition in the sense that we had to build up a new team and we had to sort of get up to speed in terms of that, that capability. 
but it was also a natural extension of what our clients really needed to get ahead. Well, how long did you see this trend happening before um, the management team sat down and said, okay, look, we, 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 we've got to go in this direction? Um, I mean, it's something It didn't happen overnight. It's something we were sort of thinking about for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I have the specific numbers off the top of my head, but it's something that sort of we always thought that this was just, this is the next place. And as you know, there's sort of all the, all the different channels are moving together and the difference between what happens on a search page and what happens, it, it, it's, I guess maybe I'll take a step back and say, for, at Didit, we're not just interested in understanding what's happening on the search itself. We're, under, we're trying to understand how to, how to relate to customers across all these channels and across the customer's life entirely. Um, so that, you know, just within search results, that means that we're not just concerned about the search page, we're concerned about the landing page as well. So uh, it wasn't such a great big leap to go from being interested in the, in the landing page to being, in, being interested in the next website that the customer is jumping off to. Now, have you found a lot of your traditional search marketing customers, uh, are they interested in display advertising? Are they, are they following your advice to, uh, to take up display advertising and to, to use the behavioral targeting to pinpoint uh, where their, their traffic is coming or going to? Um, it's, not, it's definitely not across the entire client base. I mean, you have to be able to um, work with our, our tagging and be able to sort of bring things up to the next level. But we have a few clients that are very, very happy with, um, with our display behavioral advertising. And I, I should just point out here, it's not just display advertising on the web. We're also doing, you know, we're doing media buys on print as well. We're, so we're looking at customers' uh, search data. And I'll just, I'll give you an example of, what, of how we're doing that. Um, let's say, for example, you're selling office chairs. And you're getting a lot of keywords that say, um, medical, medical facility office chairs. So that would indicate that there's a lot of medical facilities looking for your office chairs, even though that has nothing to do with your, your fundamental business. So we might tell you, based on your, that, those keywords, that maybe you should be advertising in medical journals, even though it's not an intuitive fit, your keywords are telling you that that's where your customers are. So we're, it's not, we're not just looking to expand into behavioral, into behavioral advertising within the online networks. We're looking to sort of use search as an anchor to bring our clients in multi-channel marketing to the next level. Well, and this is one of the things that, that I really want to explore with you. Um, I did it's one of the one of the larger search marketing um, companies, one of the more well-known search marketing companies on the net. Um, it seems natural that that your company would be into this market, would be exploring the new market uh, before some others would. But um, why have search marketers traditionally not paid a lot of attention to the display the display area? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. I think there's a, a multiplicity of reasons. I think just one very basic one is people have been just very, very focused on search. Um, there's, you know, the world of search, is in, it's, it's, it's easy to sort of lose track. Everybody's sort of going to the social media and they're looking to going into, uh, you know, video and there's all sorts of new exciting things happening. And those things are, are and will continue to be very vital parts of the marketing mix. But the world of search itself, is in, it really hasn't been tapped 100% or even, you know, 30% just yet. And I think marketers have understood that they really wanted to get their search marketing up to speed and really know that if they're going to go into new media and new, new areas uh, like behavioral advertising off of search, they really want to know that they can be co- entirely comfortable with making sure that their clients' search campaigns are happy before they jump to the next step. And I think that we felt that that was the case with us. I, I don't know how many other search marketing firms are there, feel that they're there yet, 
but it's definitely going to be something that's going to be big in the coming you know year or two years or three years. Well, yeah, I get the sense um, from being at the show here. This 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 ad tech in San Francisco, two thousand and seven. This is about media buying. There's a, there's not a big search component at this show, is there? You know, it's funny you say that. It's um, you know, you, it's it's almost like it's it's a way to feel the pulse of what's what's the what's the the cutting edge of the industry now. And everybody's you know, every third booth is an ad network. The way you know, two years of every third booth was a search company. Um, okay. I think we might be seeing a world where you know the 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 leaders are rising to the top, and everybody else is sort of. It's jumping on the jumping on the bandwagon with those leaders are trying to look into new avenues, and I think we really are going to see some settling of, um, you know, who the top search marketers, who the top search marketing firms are, and the new media, the next new media, the next new sort of uh, cutting edge will be something else, and we're going to be more a part of the uh, the um, the marketing environment, you know, sort of the way TV advertising has been. Search is going to be a, search is continuing to be a sort of a standard part of that marketing mix. But it's but um, again, as, as you were saying a couple of years ago, and even in New York in November at AdTech, Search had a much much wider, uh, much wider influence. Uh, it seemed much more important to to, to the delegates at the show. Um, maybe it's the Google they put in the water down here. But again, everyone's talking <laughs> about display advertising. Yeah, it really is. I don't know. I mean, something you have to be be a little bit wary of is you know. Um, how many of these companies are new upstarts that are, they're going to evolve into something new or fall away or get, you know, get um, engulfed into something bigger in a couple of years, and how many of these are sort of really long-term investments. You, you want to make sure that you're, you're looking at the long-term. But I do think that, you know, a lot of these shows like AdTech or SES are shows about what's happening now, what's happening this minute which isn't necessarily what marketers are thinking about. Marketers are thinking about how to get the best ROI for their budget. Um, and that's going to be something that's tried and true, and everybody knows that tried and true is that search is part of a tried and true mix. Now, if, um, if a search marketing team, if a, if a smaller company wanted to get involved in, uh, in the display ad field, would you suggest they bulk up their staff, that they learn new expertise? Um, is this something that a small shop can, ha- can a small shop handle both worlds? Can a small shop handle search and display and the, 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 um, sort of synergy between the two? Yeah, and, um, and still effectively I would serve say their clients. Not necessarily. I mean, it depends, obviously, how, you know, how smart the, the small shop is and how robust the small shop is. Um, one thing that we have going for us in terms of creating that synergy is we just have very, very smart people looking at the data and understanding, you know, this is where the search is leading. We have the te- we we're constantly building out our technology. We're constantly, you know, upgrading and creating new new iterations, being able to follow where the, new, where the display advertising is going and being able to understand how to use search to jump onto the display advertising is something that, it takes a lot of, not just brain power, but, you know, and manpower. It takes a lot of people. And I'm not sure that uh, small industries, small businesses will be able to, to jump onto that. You know, now, Abe, over the last few months, I... Uh... I've been giving uh, Dave Pasternak the gears about some of his comments he's been making about uh, about <laughs> SEO. Um, so I'm going to give you a way out for him here. Is um, is this kind of what he was referring to? That I'm sorry, I don't know if I answered the question. That that the, what's the way out? Well, um, the, you know, Dave Dave's comments on SEO. SEO is uh, he was calling it easy. He was calling it uh, 
non-rocket science. I'm not. I, I can't quote him. I don't have it right in front of me. I don't. I don't wish to misquote him. But you know, myself and a number of the other writers in the in the sector had been giving him the gears about that. And um, I'm just wondering if if this is uh, if the display market, if the 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 extension of the online marketing mix is that what he was getting at? Well, I do think it's part of um, part of the picture of that. And first of all, I'm just going to take a step back and say Dave never SEO isn't fundamental. He, what he was just saying is that it wasn't necessarily as um, he was more making a comment about the way that SEO firms charge as opposed to sort of how crucial SEO is. And he would be the first to say that SEO is a vital part of the marketing mix. It's sort of the analogy we give at Did It is there's there's marketing and there's PR. And PR is making your business, putting your business in a position to be visible to the people who who, um, who share news information across the world. So, you know, you, you want to put your client in a position to be noticeable to CNN. And then whatever CNN decides to do with that information, whether they decide to play, spin, your comp- spin your client positively, negatively, to ignore your client entirely, or to give them great placement on the... Uh, you know, on the primetime news, that's up to CNN. It's a similar thing with SEO. You have to create, create a web presence that's noticeable to the engine, so you don't know necessarily what's going to happen to it, but you need to have that there. Um, on the flip side, there's advertising, which gives you a tremendous amount of control. And paid search would, would be the analog to that. The paid search gives you, and it gives your client control over the entire relationship with the customer from the ad copy that the person sees the landing page that the person jumps to. And I do think, getting back to your question, I do think that um, the part of that part of that channel, part of the page search channel is being able to say, okay, we're not going to just control the landing page that the person sees. We're also going to be able to be a part of the next website the person goes to. And we're, we're, we're going to be able to integrate ourselves deeper into that entire uh, multi-channel relationship with the customer. And it's not just what's happening on the search results page. So I think maybe maybe you, you are onto something. It's sort of t- tapping into the mind of Dave Kastanek, which is always a uh, an exciting thing to do. Abe, <laughs> hey, we're out of time, man. Thank you so much for uh, for being on on the show. I, I know it's in exceptional circumstances down there on the floor. Um, I hope to catch up with you later. Uh, but uh, again, we're out of time now, um, friends. That was Abe Mesrich from DidIt.com. That's D-I-D-I-T.com, a full service internet marketing firm. Uh, this is Jim Hedger from um, FlightProNews.com, re- uh, reporting live from AdTech in San Francisco for WebmasterRadio.fm on the alternative sponsored by the ISEDN.org. Back in Victoria tomorrow afternoon. I can't wait to be home. Uh, until then, Webmaster Radio has another show coming up, and I'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening.